Thank you for joining us today for The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of October 9th and is preached by our former pastor, Philip Dunn. We pray God's blessing on you as you listen to this message. It was a great privilege to have Brother Philip with us this morning. And here he is now preaching from Deuteronomy chapter 7. Brother Philip Dunn. Well, here... God wants to bless you, and he wants to bless me. And so this is what I want you to do. Turn in your Bibles. Is that me doing that? Turn in your Bibles to to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And just stay there with me. Don't open it, then I read it, then close it. I need you to stay there with me. Faithfulness. Faith. Being faithful. The idea here is that it's someone, in the Hebrew, it's someone who who you can lean on. Someone that, that won't let you fall or do the best that they can to keep you from falling. Now, in the Greek, it means someone who you can rely on. So when you look up the word faithfulness, you may find the words like reliability, trustworthy, firmness. God is unchanging. He wavers not. He is always faithful. So just may I say this? God is faithful to you and me when we are not faithful to him. Would you agree with that? Sure. He is faithful. And I'm so glad that God is faithful to to me when, when I'm not faithful to him. He's a loving, kind God. Now, let's don't take that too far because God is a judge as well. And so what he says is, is God is, is, is faithful to us. We need to remember that even when we're not faithful to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Just stay with me in the Deuteronomy. 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called to the fellowship of his uh, son Jesus Christ our Lord. We can safely lean on him because He is steadfast. Psalm chapter uh, 89 verse 1 says this. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. To all generations. Louis Byers used to say this to me. What God said he will do, he will do. You guys remember that? She used to stand up on Sunday morning. God will do what God said he will do. And I would say, and that's exactly right. When I remember Louise Byers, that's one of the things that I remember about her. There's no obstacle. There's no hindrance in anything. When God says, this is what I'm going to do, you can go to the bank on that. He will do exactly what he says he will do. He keeps all of his promises. He doesn't say, well, now wait a minute. You know, they messed up. They sinned and so, okay, they're no longer my child. I'm so happy that he says, I love you in spite of what you did, in spite of what you said, in spite of what your your attitude is. So Deuteronomy chapter 7, it's instructions to the Israelites. <clears throat> and so, don't get scared. I'm not going to preach on the entire book, okay? 
chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter one, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations. There are seven nations here that they're going to drive out. Seven nations. And so here it is, the Hittites, the Gadgesites, the uh, Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And then he goes on, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And you think about that, wait a minute, why did he choose the Israelites over all of these nations? They're larger, they're stronger. Why did he choose those? Well, later on we're going to find out exactly why. And then he goes on, they're stronger than you. And when you, when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. So what does that mean? Is he saying just go in there and kill them all? No, he says go over there and take over everything. Take it all over. And then he goes on, and this is why that I say that uh, in some interpretations, some people believe that he, he meant just go in there and slaughter everybody. But go on and just keep on reading. Must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. Well, you can't make a treaty with dead people. So, make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not uh, do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Why in the world would he say that? Well, the answer to that, the why is this. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Now I want you to look back, just turn one page back to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 6 says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I am the one that did this for you. I promise you this. I have done this for you. I love you that much. Now turn back to chapter 7. And here we go. He says, For they will turn their sons away from following me and serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Turn back to chapter 5. Look at verse 7. You shall have no other gods before me. Now that word shall... Is in the NIV. Shout, shout is in the uh, in the King James. But this is what he says, literally, you will not have. I will not allow that. I am a jealous God. I won't allow you to have any other gods except me. It's a great lesson for our country today. We need to get back to the principles that are written in God's Word. Rather than, than doing a bunch of stuff that, 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 that I hear about going on in Conway, um, and it, I, I pray that it's not here, but in Conway, and it, and it has started in Greenbrier, and we're talking about the Bible Belt. They're doing this thing in, in the high school of the furries. Do you all know anything about that? It's where, where people, where teenagers, the students... They will, they'll act like cats and dogs. I don't know what to do. 
They'll dress up like cats and dogs. And we have several teachers that's in our church. And, and one of the students came up to him and went, meow, meow. Won't talk, won't say anything, but makes the cat noise. And then there's others at the dog. And I'm waiting for the big old elephant to walk in, okay? I wonder how they're going to do. The, the, the idea here is this, is that you'll have no other gods. You won't get those other gods. I won't allow that to happen. So continue reading with me. He says this, uh, verse 5, This is what you are to do with them. Break down their, their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down the Asherah poles, now that's the god of motherhood, the god of fertility, and burned their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. So this is what he says. I chose you. I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. I use that verse a lot when I, when I preach. But God commended his love, demonstrated his love, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You and I didn't like the Lord. We didn't like Jesus. We didn't like, we didn't like God. We were the enemies. We were his enemies. But Christ died for us anyway. Even though we were his enemies, Christ died for us. He goes on and he says this. Verse 7, The Lord did not set his affections on you, choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were fewer than all the people. In other words, it wasn't because of your strength. It wasn't because of your number. It was because I chose you. Now watch, the next verse will tell you exactly why he chose them. He said this, But it's because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that brought you out of a mighty, with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the land of slavery. That's why. It's not because you were good enough. It's not because you were the biggest that you were the wealthiest. It wasn't, had in, nothing to do with any of that. I chose you because I made a covenant with your forefathers. Now this is what I want you to think about. How many of you were saved before the age of 18? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you were saved after the age of 18? Good. Somebody, no matter what age you were, someone shared Jesus with you. Somebody did that. Somebody took their time to just share Jesus with you. Now, aren't you glad they did that? We, were, we got to see uh, baptism, experience of baptism this morning. And we're, it was really exciting for me because I've not, I've not had the opportunity to baptize since, uh, since I was pastor here. And so it was really exciting to me. I, I go into my pastor's uh, office almost every Sunday morning. You don't look so good. Do you think I need to preach this morning? You know, anyway, can't, you, you need me to go ahead and baptize this morning? And 
he always says, no, go to your class. <laughs> it's, interesting, it's interesting that as we look at this text, we see the faithfulness of God. And this is what he says, to your forefathers that he brought you out of the, with a mighty hand to redeem you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh's, Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Now there's a very positive statement. I'm not the guy upstairs. I'm not your little brother. I'm not your big brother. He says, I'm God. Now I've got to tell you, let me give you a little opinion here. I'm just a tad offended when folks are praying and they say, God, I know you're the big guy upstairs. He's not. According to Scripture, he's God. And we're to address him. You know what? Growing up, I never called my dad by his first name. If I had, a, that would have been the last time I'd ever done it. It's out of reverence and out of respect, out of fear, reverence, that we call God, God. They would call Jesus, Jesus, Christ, Christ, Holy Spirit. That, that's why we say those words. We call them by their name. Um, my thing is, is that I'll answer to almost anything. Hey, you, Philip, Phil, whatever it is, you know. I, I remember that, that, uh, that going down the hallways of, of the classrooms, they'd say, hey, Brother Philip. And I'd turn around and it would be somebody that's, you know, want to just visit with me. I, I'll answer to just almost anything. Hey, you're anything else like that. But God won't. God wants to be addressed as God. So look with me, the next part of that verse. The Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. Now the title of the sermon is the faithfulness of God. When we're going through difficult times, God is faithful. You'll never read anything in Scripture where God says, Y'all go on, I'll meet you on the other side. Now this morning, we, uh, uh, our Sunday morning Bible study group almost got into the sermon this morning. So, but they stopped just shy, right before they got there. Here's the thing. When you and I go through the fire... He holds our hand. He may not lead us around the fire. He may walk through the flame with us. But know this. He's holding your hand. He's holding my hand. He won't let go. Remember what he said to, uh, to, to Joshua. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'm never going to leave you. And then he tells, he tells Joshua, he says, take courage. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. So when we're, you and I are going through struggles, just know that God is going through that with you. So don't throw your hands up and give up. Don't say, well, I've had enough and I'm going to stop. You just keep on walking. Just keep on walking because he's not stopping. He's going to take you right through that. And you will be with him on the other side. You've been through the fire with him. 
Now you're walking on the other side. And there's the blessing there. I want you to look at something else with me. As you go on, he says this. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commands. So here's the question. Remember what I said at the beginning of the service. He is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him. So he's keeping all his commands and all his promises to us. What about us to him? You know, when we came to know the Lord, if you, if you're, if you know Christ as Savior and Lord, when we came to know him as Savior and Lord, we promised him, we had made a covenant with him that we would walk with him daily. Now, there's not a one of us here that has not stumbled, okay? So let's just kind of get that right there. But he still loves us. He still cares for us. You know why? Because he is faithful. He is faithful to us. He loves us. Because he loves us, he's faithful to us. Because he's faithful to us, he loves us. And so as we look at that, we, we see what's going on. We see that, that here God is saying, I, I am faithful. You remember when Joshua, uh, when God put Joshua in charge of the Israelites, leading those millions of Israelites into the promised land. The last uh, chapter, and actually the last verses of Deuteronomy says this. I have not had another servant. Now this is paraphrase mine. I have not had another servant as strong as Moses. And then first chapter of Joshua, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And so you're going to take over. I can only imagine what Joshua is thinking. Holy cow. Oh, no. I'm having to take Moses' place? I mean, I already know what you said about him. Now, oh, no. There are times that where, where God leads us that we're not comfortable. That's a good thing. Because sometimes we get in that chair and we settle in and we're just loving it. And you couldn't take a stick of dynamite and blow us out of that chair of comfort because we're so very comfortable. Once again, you know this, I've used this as the illustration. In our house, there's a chair. It's my chair. It has Philip's chair on it. And when I come home, I go and I sit in that chair. I have a grandson that decides that he wants to sit in that chair. Uh, that's my chair. You sit somewhere else. You can sit on the floor. You can sit over there. This is my chair. Now, don't do that. If you come to visit us, I won't do you that way. I'll just stare at you and make you feel uncomfortable. Okay? But he says this. He says, I, I made a promise. I made a covenant to you. And I made that covenant because I love you. I didn't choose you because you were the biggest. I didn't choose you because you were the strongest. I chose you because I made a promise to your forefathers. I want you to look at some people that, some characters in the Old Testament and New Testament. There's Abraham. Abraham was faithful to the Lord, but he sinned. Twice he told folks that, told, uh, told men that, uh, this is my sister, it's not my wife, just to save his, his own life. 
But he was faithful because when God said, take Isaac and offer a sacrifice, he took Isaac and took everything that he needed and he took him and he was willing to sacrifice Isaac for the Lord. Let's look at someone else. Let's look at Joshua. Uh, Joshua in the battles, he said, I'll not leave you. He takes, he takes the place of, of Moses. There's Daniel in the lion's den. There's the three Hebrew children. I love that story, the three Hebrew children, because this is what he says. You bow down, guys, or we're going to throw you in the furnace. And I love this phrase. He will deliver us, but even if he does not, we will not bow down. And so they throw him into the fire, and old Nebuchadnezzar, he's looking, and he says, hey, guys, didn't we throw just three guys in there? Uh, yeah, I, I see four. And one of them looks like the Son of God. And it was because of that that the king said, oh, wait just a second. He is God. He is the one. Where else could God be except in the fire with the three Hebrew children? Encouragement. Be faithful to him and he's faithful to us. David, he was delivered from Saul. Saul tried to kill him several times, but he delivered him. Paul, numerous times did they try to kill him. Even people that he knew that were his friends back then tried to kill him. Stephen, he's still preaching the word of God, and they're stoning him. He was faithful to God. John, he's boiled in, boiled in oil. He survives. They put him on Patmos. He writes the book of Revelation. And then many theologians believe that he came back and pastored a church in Ephesus and died there. Faithfulness to God. Why? Because he is faithful to us. Because he loves us. And he says, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you were in Sunday morning Bible study last week, this is what you read. Turn with me, please, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you're not part of a Sunday morning Bible study, I would encourage you to, to do that. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. Verse 9, I apologize. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who you are. As believers, that's who we are. But then he goes on, Peter goes on and he says this, Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's who you are. That's who you used to be, but this is who you are now. Don't throw your hands up. Don't get frustrated and quit. Because remember who your Father is. Your Heavenly Father. He didn't choose you because you had money. He didn't choose you because of the way you looked. The house that you live in, the job that you have, the car that you drive. He chose you because he loved you. 
He loves you. This morning, I've been studying this passage of Scripture for two solid weeks. And as I as I studied, and, and there was more and more and more. I mean, I have pages of notes. But I condensed it down to just this one page. Because I knew that y'all weren't going to be here at 6 o'clock in the afternoon still listening to me. That's what I want to ask you. First, I'll tell you this. Once again, God's faithful to you and to me, even when we're not faithful to him. But is there something in your life, or have you kind of taken a step back because I'm not sure that that's what God, I'm not sure he's going to be faithful to me in that. Or worse than that is I'm not going to do that because I'm just not going to do it. Joshua could have said, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't. Moses could have said, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. You can't make me. And God said, well, I'll send Aaron. Well, you know how that turned out, part of it. He's up on the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments. He comes back down, and Aaron has let them knuckleheads talk him in to building, a, building idols. And Moses comes down, and he is he's hot. He's upset, and he throws the tablets down. Then he has to go back up on the mountain and meet with God again. And God gives him the Ten Commandments again. But they got rid of the idols. I can only imagine what what Moses said when he came off the mountain and he saw the idols. Imagine he looks at Aaron and he says, what in the world have you done? How are you leading the people? I am the leader. You're leading the people wrong. So you destroy all these idols, you take care of all of that, and I'll be back in a while. He goes back up on the mountain, he comes home, comes back, he says, these are our Ten Commandments. But I want you to notice the very first one, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Turn back there. Deuteronomy chapter 5. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You will not have any other gods before me. You will not make any Uh, You will not make for yourself idols in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth, beneath, in the waters below. And he goes on and and he gets very specific. He says, I'm the Lord your God. You be faithful to me. I am faithful to you. Are you faithful to the Lord? Now we all stumble, okay? Let's just get that, again, let's just get that up front. We all stumble. And sometimes we fall. But God is steadfast. And he remains a loving God to us. So this morning, here's my invitation to you. Maybe maybe God's calling you to speak to a person. Maybe God is asking you to do a particular thing and you're really uncomfortable about doing it. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm not real sure this is God. This might be me. 
Today you can kind of settle that. You can settle that question, whether it's God or whether it's you. Or God's calling you to do something and you're saying, I'm ready. Times when we go through... When we go through difficult times, the first thing that we want to do is this. I quit. I don't have to put up with that anymore. I'm not going to do it. And that's exactly what God doesn't want you and I to do. Listen, we've all been there. Okay, let's make no mistake about that. We've all been in a spot where forget this. One of the saddest times in my life was this. <clears throat> I was on staff at a church, and literally I had just had it. No, it wasn't here. <laughs> and I had, I, I, I had just had it. And I couldn't, couldn't get anything going. I was, everything was turning you know, to dirt that I touched. And I went home, and I told Vicki, I said, I'm going to go look for a job. Now, in college, I built elevators. And so I drove to Dallas, went to the, the, the company that I used to work for, and I couldn't buy a job. I'd already worked for them for three or four years. But I quit to go there to, in ministry. And I thought, well, I'll go to another one. I couldn't get a job. I, I looked all over the place. I came home. And I told Vicki, I said, okay, this is the answer that God gave me. You'll either be in ministry full time or I'm going to take you out. And it was just like that. No, I mean, I sensed that. And I heard it, that small voice screaming in my ear. You will do what I've called you to do or you don't need to be here. I went back. I was the happiest person from that point on in ministry that you've ever seen. Having a good time. Just letting God be God and letting Him lead. That's exactly... Now, I'm not the standard for your life. That's for sure. But that's just one thing that happened to me. There's several other things I can tell you. But you have those stories too. What is God trying to do? What is God trying to teach you in your life? So I'm going to ask Corey and, and Sarah to come. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Central Word Podcast. Our prayer is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. May God bless you in this week as you seek to live for Him in all that you do. Thank you again for joining us. Please consider joining us in person for a service every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Have a great week.